Well, praise the Lord. It is a beautiful day. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad. And how many has something to rejoice about? Say amen. amen. If you think you're better looking today than you were last week, say amen. 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 Let's all believe that together in faith. Well, we are glad that you're here. Pastor Tiffany is away. She's uh, on vacation for a couple of weeks, and so we can just be praying blessing over her. Um, at this time, we just want to mention that there are different ways to give. We thank you for your giving, and we do a lot of that online now. There's also a little uh, place in the back where you can do that through debit. Thank you, brother. And um, so we thank you for your faithfulness. We are continuing to raise money for our projects downstairs uh, as we are looking to hopefully upgrade our kitchen and our flooring. But money is starting to come in. Thank you for those who have begun to give. Feel free to do that, and we just appreciate your faithfulness. How many know that when we give to the Lord, it's an act of worship? Do you believe that? And uh, I give him his tithes because they're his and not mine really to spend. I, I want to honor him with that. And if I give something beyond that, that's called a sacrificial love gift. And uh, sometimes you wonder, you know, can I tithe and still pay my bills? I want to just give a little testimony. Ever since I was married... My wife and I chose that we were going to tithe in our marriage. We've been married uh, coming up on 30 years here next summer. And uh, God has always supplied our needs. Even when I was barely scraping by as a youth pastor, you know, barely full-time, even when we were, had bills and medical bills, and even when we had debts, when we tithed and chose to honor the Lord with his tithes, he has always supplied our needs. And he's blessed us even far above that. It's weird how it works. I can't figure it out. It's God's economy. But he says, seek me first, my kingdom, my righteousness, Matthew 6.33. Then all the things that you have need, he will add unto you. I just want to encourage you, if you're thinking about that, if maybe you're working towards that or have been thinking about taking that step of faith as we honor the Lord with his tithes and love offerings, man, then he says in Malachi, I can release my blessing unto you. So we thank you for that. At this time, we want to dismiss our kids to go to kids' church, and uh, they have some fun things planned this morning. Thank you to our leaders, and thank you to all those involved in our kids' church ministry. Well, if you have your Bibles, take them in hand. We are continuing to move forward in our series on power to change as we've been going through the book of Acts and um, looking at lives that have been dramatically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are in Acts chapter 27. We began this story last week, and we are going to continue on this story this week. The Apostle Paul, who had been wrongfully accused of sedition, uh, both they were accusing him of breaking the Judean law, the Hebrew law, the Roman law, and all these things were false. But he had already stood before King Agrippa and Bernice, and now he pleaded to go to Caesar. He said, I appeal to Caesar. And being a Roman citizen, even though he was a Jew, that was his right as a Roman citizen. And so off he went. And in those days, they traveled often by grain ships, and they had to withstand storms and go at certain times of the day so that the seasons would be right. And uh, they wound up in this horrendous, horrendous storm. And Paul had warned them, brothers, I don't think we should sail. But they figured, no, we're going to do it nonetheless. And so we're going to pick it up now from verse 30 of Acts chapter 27. This is what it says. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors. So get this. They were seeking to escape from the ship. 
It had already been dark now for several days. They couldn't see the sun. They couldn't see the moon. They couldn't see the stars. The winds were raging. It was a, a just horrific, tempestuous storm that had brought up. And they fed, uh, feared for their lives. They figured, you know what? We're not going to survive this. They were already decided that we're all going to die. But Paul had given them a promise that God is going to spare them. But still, they didn't all believe in that. And some of them were trying to bail out. Let's get down to the skiff. Let's bail out of the storm. Of course, they wouldn't have survived in a little boat like that, uh, let alone the bigger boat that they were already in. But Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot all be saved. So the soldiers cut down the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. Now it's like, you know, the point of no return. We're either all going to live together or all going to die together because there's no spare boats. We're all in this vessel together. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Why don't you eat food when you're on a storm? Because you can't keep it down. So two weeks they hadn't eaten. But he implored them to take something for nourishment. For this is for your survival, Paul said, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. So basically, they had their final meal. Now, this is a pretty important moment of time. They have to choose to believe that what God told Paul for all of us is really his word that will come true. Because now not only have we eaten, but now we're about ready to throw out the grain and there won't be any more food after this. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach. Imagine how incredible that would be. Land ho, right? You see that in some sailors' movies. You finally see land somewhere. They don't know what it is, they don't know where they are, but they saw a bay and they saw a beach. And they let go of the anchors and left them into the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes, they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow struck fast and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves." The soldiers' plan were to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded those that could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Lord, I pray right now that you would just move in this time, O God. Lord, we see that your hand saved Paul. And your hand is upon each and every one of us here today, O God. Lord, when you make a promise, you keep it. So we pray that you would bless this time, open up our hearts and minds, help us to understand your word and to apply these principles so that we will live pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in a few moments, I'm going to share a testimony that might be a surprise to some of you. But I want to begin with number one as we get into the meat of this story. We choose to stand firm or jump ship. In our lives as Christians, we choose to stand firm and serve the Lord or jump ship when the going gets rough. If you believe that, say amen. 
Everybody that's here today, I believe, has made a decision, I'm going to serve Christ. Like the old song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The sailors on the boat wanted to escape on the skiff, even after Paul spoke the promise of God to save them. They wanted to bail out. They wanted to jump ship. We are getting out of here. The Roman soldiers, though, believed Paul and intervened to stop them. You see, there was a life being transformed here, this Roman centurion that Paul had earned favor with. And, of course, once God moved in the situation, then they all saw an awesome move of the Spirit of God. And so they had to make a choice. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, Be watchful, be firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. And for women, act like women. For men, act like men. But step up, be strong, and stand firm in the faith. How many know that we live in a times right now where we got to stand firm in the faith? Amen? We need to stand firm in knowing who God has called you to be, knowing that his word is true, knowing that we are called to live our faith and that Jesus is coming again soon. Because there's plenty of voices and plenty of influences out there trying to tell you otherwise. But Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again, and he's coming again for you and me. If you believe that, say amen. 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 We like to get that good news out, and we need to stand firm, and we need to continue doing what we're called to do as Christians. Live what we believe. Live our faith for others to see. I have a number of pastoral friends, and uh, from time to time we will go out and do visitation for those who might be shut-ins, the elderly, or those that are sick in the hospital. And I like the story of a pastor who uh, went to visit one of the elderly women in his congregation. She couldn't come to services that often because she didn't drive anymore and she lived in a remote area. Every once in a while she got to church, but she still loved the Lord. That was still her home church. So he went out to visit her. And this pastor, his name was Pastor Bill, he went up there, drove up in his car to this little rural uh, house and, and got out of his car, came and knocked on the door. She answered the door. Her name was uh, Elaine and he sat down with Elaine and just had a nice little visit. And he saw a wonderful bowl of peanuts that were there and a bowl right there on the coffee table. How many besides me like nuts, right? Peanuts are awesome. Great protein too. So he said, do you mind if I have a few peanuts? And she said, oh no, please, Pastor. So uh, Pastor Bill began to eat a few and he began to just to share and uh, encourage her. We miss you, but we know that you're with us. How can I pray for you? How can we assist you? And for the next 10 to 15 minutes, he just had a nice little chat. And he continued to eat the peanuts. And by the time they got done talking, he realized he had almost finished the whole bowl. And he was embarrassed. He said, well, Sister Elaine, I'm so sorry. I think I've finished this whole bowl. And she said, oh, Pastor, don't worry about it. Since I lost my teeth, I just sucked the chocolate off him anyways. So, you know, it was a win-win for both of them. But the, the point is, he was doing what he was called to do. He was doing what we are called to do as Christians, to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus. However you can serve, serve. And stand firm and continue to do what you know is right. Don't bail out. We're almost at the finish line. We're almost there where Jesus is going to return. Many people today have chosen to leave the church. When we pastored in the States, there was a large church uh, that was at, at, back in the 70s, running about 1,000 people. They had their own huge band. They, were, they had their own records back there. It was records they made instead of downloads and CDs. And, I mean, massive orchestra, just all kinds of money flowing through this place. And a financial scandal rocked that church. 
and it blew apart. And the pastors resigned and people dispersed and people were upset and angry, very hurt, very disillusioned. And some of them didn't go to church for some time. And my folks came, my dad came in the early 80s, began to pastor the Assembly of God Church there in Wenatchee. And we had a lot of refugees from that church that came back and said, well, we're still going to follow Christ. It might not be in that place because there was a lot of deception and a lot of wrong things, bad things happened, but we're not giving up on God. And to their credit, they came back. But you know, there were some that I don't believe ever came back. In fact, there was a Facebook page about those that were wounded refugees from this church, and I won't give the name of the church. And I believe there's still many today that haven't ever come back to the Lord. How sad that is. Because you know what? God never said that people were perfect. In fact, what my Bible tells me in Romans 3.23 is that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory, right? And Paul said, I've been the chief of all sinners. Let's never claim to be perfect, just forgiven, and a work in progress, amen? People will let you down sometimes, unfortunately. Not everybody, but some will. God will never let you down, amen? He will never let you down. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful and true. In fact, that's what's going to be on, uh, across the chest of Jesus, our Messiah. When he returns and breaks through the clouds, there's going to be a banner that says faithful and true. Always remember that. That is his character. He cannot let you down. It goes against his nature. He is perfect. He is holy. He is flawless. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And what he says he will do. And he told Paul he's going to get these sailors through because Paul had a mission to go to Rome and to stand before Caesar and to minister to the people of Rome. And so many people might leave the church and their faith, I encourage you, do not ever do that. God will never let you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus and continue to follow his word. Number two, we choose to all to be all in for God in faith and action. We choose to be all in. Maybe you've heard that phrase. It's become popular the last few years. What does that mean? That means that I'm giving 100%. I'm not in 50%, 75%, even 95%. I am all in. I'm fully committed. James 2.26 says this, Faith without works is dead. You see, God met the needs of the sailors even in the midst of the storm, but they had to choose if they're going to be all in, they had to choose to believe in God. They had to choose to believe what God said to Paul. That, that, and an angel, remember, had appeared to Paul earlier in this passage, and he said that they will all survive. And so he passed this on to the sailors. That's why he's encouraging them to have some food now. Have something to eat. You're going to need some strength because we might have to swim. You're going to need some strength now. But believe in me that God is going to see us through. They had to choose to fully believe and to be committed to that cause. God promised that they would be saved, but they still, however, needed to use wisdom and be practical. I want you to get this this morning. In the church, sometimes uh, we can get a little super spiritual. And I'm, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. And uh, I believe a lot of times we're not heavenly-minded enough. You know, we'll go through several days without maybe even thinking much of the Lord, and that's not good. You need to be thinking about God every day and praying to God every day and in your word every day. But sometimes, unfortunately, people can get a little bit 
kind of distant in their hearts, and, and they just get going through life's routine, and then they're, oh man, I guess I haven't really prayed or read my Bible for a while. I need to get back to that. We need to have that close, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, amen? And that's where there's power, and his presence is what? Fullness of joy, amen? And as we wait upon the Lord, Isaiah 40 says, he renews our strength. Who needs strength today? Say amen. We need strength to fight the good fight and live the right kind of life. So we need to be in touch with him. And so sometimes, though, people get a little bit distant, and, uh, and they don't have that intimate time with the Lord, but we want to be all in. We want to be there and, and spending time with Jesus every day because we need him to guide and, and direct us. God promised the sailors that they would be saved, but sometimes we can get super spiritual where, oh, God's just going to take care of it, and, uh, I, you know, I don't really need to do anything. And so why even go to work anymore? I mean, the rapture could happen any minute, and Jesus is going to return, and, uh, you know, why pay my bills? I mean, God will just take care of it. And, and we live in this little cloud, and, and everything is angels and demons, and, you know, it's like, no... We're in this world, we're called to be salt and light, and the Holy Spirit of God is in us, He is with us wherever we go, but we still got to put action to our faith and make right choices every day, amen? And so this is uh, what we see here in this circumstance. Paul said, now you need to have some food, because yes, God's going to save us, but we might have to be involved in this process. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, he didn't just snap his fingers and everybody all of a sudden's got a plate of fish in their face. He said, no, I want you to distribute the food. There's a process. And I'm going to get you involved in the miracle. But you're going to be my hands and my feet. How many know that he wants us to be involved in ministering to people as his hands and feet? We're part of the process and part of the miracle. Amen? He uses us. We are his vessels that he flows through. And so they took some food. They used practical wisdom and they held on to the promise of God, taking food for nourishment to survive the ultimate swim to land. They weren't sure how they're going to get there, but something was coming. Now the sailors, the prisoners, crew, and soldiers, they were all in, eating their final meal before the anticipated rescue and throwing the remaining grain into the sea. That would have been a tough one. You know, it's like uh, burning the ships when you get to the new world. It's like, nope, no going back. There goes the grain. No more biscuits and gravy, folks. Sorry. It's going overboard. So this meal, you know, we're believing that this is going to be the meal right before we get saved. So they were all in. Paul gave thanks for God's provision, even in the midst of a raging storm. So we see this here, and I'm going to sit down here for a moment. I normally don't sit when I preach. I'm a stand-up kind of guy, but I will explain to you why I'm doing that here in just a moment. So, number three is this. We may endure hardship, but God keeps his promises. You believe that? He keeps his promises? If you do, say amen. 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 The crew had to ultimately swim to shore as the ship ran aground. But with the help of floating parts of the ship, some could swim, the rest could float. They all got there. All these sailors, over 200 of these people on this vessel were saved. God kept his word. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All the promises of God are yes and amen for those in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to give a little testimony this morning uh, that happened to us this week. Just uh, recently, I discovered that one of my arteries in my body was fully blocked off. 
you've got three main blood vessels, and one of them was fully blocked. And so uh, that's not good. Now, the amazing thing is, even with a blocked artery, that blood still found a way to get to the right side of my body because God makes us in miraculous ways, and otherwise, you know, you would just seize up and die. But I found this out. I knew that my energy levels weren't quite what they used to be, and I still had my strength, uh, but I knew that I couldn't go as far if I was exercising, if we're going on walks up steep hills, and it just don't feel right. And I felt a little bit of tightness in my chest, and I went and saw the doctor, and they said, well, you've got a, not just a, an artery that's somewhat closed, it's fully blocked. So what they do, they put in a stent, and probably there's been maybe a few people here possibly that have had a stent procedure. Uh, pretty common procedure, they do them a lot. Um, they go up through your vessel, and they put in this little tube to open up the artery and keep it open. It's like a little piece of PVC pipe that keeps that thing going and keeps the blood flowing. So, well, yeah, let's do that, top drawer. That's the solution. But for mine, it was a little more complex because it wasn't just a partially closed artery. It was fully blocked. So the doctor, it was the surgeon there in Vancouver General that I met with, he says, we're going to have to go in from one side and maybe the other side. And first, we have to basically poke through that, like drilling through, open it up, and then we can put the stent in. And I was, it, it was explained to me that it was about an 85% chance of success. That's still pretty good odds. So, and then, you know, about a 15% chance that maybe they can't quite do it. So now let's do that. But in any surgery, there's always a minute chance of something else happening unexpected, right? Those unexpected malfunctions uh, where something goes off the rails. And that's the slim chance. So this week, my wife and I drove down to Vancouver General, and uh, I just bunked in with my mom. She lives right across the border there in Blaine. It was a good opportunity to see her, and she just celebrated the birthday. But early in the morning, 7 a.m., we were at Vancouver General. They got me all ready to go. Should be out in a day, basically. It's a day surgery. And you are actually awake during this stent procedure. They sedate you partially, but you are still awake. And uh, they, they wheel you in, and I get there at 7, but of course it doesn't start for two hours later. You know, I love our doctors. Let's pray for them that God will give them better watches and better time frames because you always wait at the doctor's office. Amen? I love them. They're great, but come on, guys, really. So got there at 7, took me to about 9 before the thing actually happened, and they wheel you in, and they go up through the arm, and they go up through your leg, and they have these little microscopic things, and so... Uh, I was basically there with several doctors, and uh, they had to drill through and open up that vessel, and they got it open. And then they got this stent, and it's a, it's a four-centimeter stent that I have in there, and they slid that in, and it was all good. Blood's flowing through, praise the Lord. Everything was working hunky-dory, and they're pulling out, and it's about a, an hour-and-a-half surgery, and as they were pulling it out, something happened and my femoral artery burst. Now that is a major artery. And in the process, suddenly, my doctor, who was calm, cool, and collective, he's pressing hard, and I'm noticing on the screen, because you can see the microscopic camera going through, I see a bleed of blood coming down this way, and I see another bead of blood coming up this way, and they're about ready to merge. I thought, this is not good. And he's calling, get the kit, call Dr. So-and-so. And there's a doctor on the phone, another, and the doctor came around, he's helping him, and, and one guy is doing something, and Dr. Fung, the main uh, vascular surgeon, was pushing hard, and he said, better give him more anesthesia. And all of a sudden, things are kicking into the next gear. 
And, uh, and it got serious real fast. Unbeknownst to me, I found this out later, I was wheeled up to the operating theater. Uh, there was a doctor sitting on my chest, basically, on top of me, pushing down on that artery so I don't bleed out. I lost a pint of blood. You only have five, and one was already gone. And uh, my poor wife, Carrie, was there, and they didn't realize she was in the hospital because oftentimes they just drop you off at the hospital. So they're calling her, and uh, they had to assure that she was who she is. Are you a family member? Yes, I'm his wife. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that, he, that Scott Peterson got taken up to the operating theater. Uh, there was a complication. We we're dealing with it now. And as she's on the phone, there's a code going off in the loudspeaker, code red, code red, and it's from the vascular clinic. She knew that was me. So I got wheeled upstairs, and uh, for however long they worked on me, but praise the Lord, they fully fixed and stitched up the artery. They repaired it, and it is done. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up in a ICU room, and uh, there was one doctor who says, well, I was the one standing on you. And, and uh, do you remember much? No, not much. And I was kind of in and out because they gave me anesthesia. But it was an odd experience. And the truth is, it was a near-death experience, a common procedure that got very uncommon very fast. And that can happen, can't it? But praise the Lord that his hand of providence is on us, and none of us go one day earlier than we're supposed to. I do believe that the Lord brought us here for a reason. My wife and I talked about this as we uh, were driving down to the appointment. Uh, there's an old song by the Imperials that says this, says, He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. And he didn't lift us up to let us down. And uh, those words were good. But so because of the complication, then they had to have another incision. They had to go in and repair that artery and stitch it up. Uh, now I had to stay for an extra day. And I woke up and they said, well, you know, thankfully everything's good. They repaired those things. The stent is working well. And the, the vessel is repaired. But you've got to stay 24 hours in bed rest. I have never done bed rest before like that. And what that means is you're not supposed to turn to the left or to the right. You're not supposed to move. Maybe a few of your moms have uh, after childbirth. That was my first time. That was not a joyride at all. And I'm hooked up to wires and tubes and things, and you're totally dependent on the nursing staff. And so uh, when I came out of sedation, my wife was there after that, that first day. Um, they said, we're well, going to have to be here for 24 hours, and it was around 7 o'clock, and I, I felt kind of sleepy because I still had some of that uh, anesthesia in me. And I said, well, you might as well go home, honey. I'll probably just fall asleep here pretty fast. And she said, okay, well, call me, and I'll be back tomorrow and things. So she left, and then I woke up fully because now the sedation wore off, and now for the next several hours, I got to just stay wide awake. And uh, there was no TV in the room. Thank the Lord for television. I'm just going to say that. 
I know we have to be discriminatory what we watch. There's a lot of junk on TV. Let's be choosy. Let's be careful. But I would have given, I don't know what, for a simple television mounted on that thing. I don't care if they're just playing CTV news or, you know, throw on TSN, just have something scrolling. But there was no TV. There was no stickers. There was no even safety signs or, you know, the little cartoon caricatures of how to do certain things safely. None of that. All I had was this clock that was right there. And it was just staring at me in the face. And for the next 24 hours, hour by hour, I watched that clock. And I would try to sleep. And I'd sleep for maybe 20 minutes. And then a nurse would walk up. And every hour they come in, as you know, they, they have jobs to do. But uh, they, every hour they're coming, checking my vitals, checking this, checking that. And I could just not sleep. It was the longest night of my life staring at this clock, which was staring back at me. But in the process of this, of course, you have nursing staff and you have orderlies and People that come in, so, hey, well, hello, Mr. Peterson, I'm going to be your nurse for the night. Can I get you anything? How are you doing? And then some hours, they hello, Mr. Peterson, now I, I'm here, and let me know what you need. But that night that I was there, the longest night of my life, there was a little gal, she was a nurse from Korea, and her name was Harian. And she came, and she introduced herself, and uh, I said, how are you doing? And I try to be friendly and talk to people. I say, well, you know, might as well talk to people. This, this and what I could see happening at the nurse's station, that was my entertainment for, for over 24 hours, really, because there was nothing else to look at. So she came in, and I, she said, well, how you doing? I said, I'm doing okay. And she started to take care of me and check my vitals. And come to find out, she had moved over from Korea. And I said, well, actually, I've, I've got a nephew who's Korean. My brother and his wife, they adopted. He's a great guy. His name's Nate. And uh, she moved over to uh, Manitoba. I said, my, my dad was born in Winnipeg, and, and now she's living now in Coquitlam, and she, there's more of a Korean community in Coquitlam area. So I got talking about that. We just started to share and just kind of hit it off. So, oh, yeah, there's a little restaurant there I used to go when I pastored in Burnaby. Great Korean restaurant right by the Ikea. And I said, some of our congregation, they lived in the Coquitlam area. And we started just to hit it off. And, uh, again, there's nothing else to do. Might as well talk as long as you can talk. And uh, she found out that I was now living in Prince George. Well, what brought you there? Well, I'm a pastor, and I took a church there. And so that opened up the spiritual avenue of the conversation. And she said, oh, I don't really read the Bible much, know much about that. I said, it's okay. God still loves you. And then she said, but I, I was in Israel for a few years, probably on a medical exchange program. And I was actually in Israel for a few years, and, and I got a Korean-English Bible. I said, oh, man, start reading in the New Testament. Start reading about Jesus, because it's about Jesus. And I was able to share with her, I said, you know, the neat thing about being a Christian is, even though I was going in for the surgery, uh, and there was risk involved, I said, I wasn't worried about what might happen. I said, I had a peace because I know that even if something happened and I was to pass away, I'm going to be living in heaven with the Lord. And I was totally at peace with that. And so I encouraged her to read her Bible. And we talked for a while and she left ultimately. And then the morning came finally. And the shift changed and another group of nurses came in. But that night I thought, you know what? I don't know why this complication happened. But if that was the reason, I'm okay.
pardon me? If that was the reason, I'm okay with that, Lord. Because I got to plant some seeds. And I hope somebody will come and, and water those seeds. And I'd love to see the fruit produced. You see, we have the opportunity wherever we go, don't we? Good times or bad, when you're having fun and you're laughing and joking around at the pizza restaurant and everything's fine, or when, when in your darker times, when you're stretched out on a hospital bed, but allow the Lord to use you and always keep your eyes open because he's coming soon. You see, he came to give us life, life. And these nurses, boy, I sure appreciate them. And they, they have to do some tough stuff and they deal with a lot of difficult situations. And some of them I could tell were tired but I just tried to be nice to them and let them know, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing that. Thanks for helping. I would thank them. I don't know how often they get that. Maybe sometimes. Probably not enough. But as we speak life and love into people, that's what Jesus has called us to do. That's why he came. I've come not to set up a system for you to follow. I've come to give you life. Life more abundantly. And I'll give, you the, I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you the instructions. I'll show you what to do. I'll show you how to do it. But the bottom line is so you have life more abundantly. He loves us and wants us to have life. And we need to be living that and exuding that and sharing that and training here to go and show it out there. But it is all about the life that he gives. If you believe that, say amen. Don't take my word for it. That's what Jesus said. That's his words. I've come that they would have life more abundantly. John 3.16, one of the earliest scriptures you will recall and you will memorize. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Life. Life forevermore. Praise the Lord. So the bottom line of this story is I'm not sorry that I had to stay an extra day. And you know, my thigh looks like I was beaten up by a rugby team right now. I'm a little sore and I'm walking a little slow, but it's all good. There, first of all, I give God glory that he's brought me through, that he kept his hand on me, protected me, and that he brought me through. I'm safe and sound. Second of all, I want to thank the Lord that he gave me an opportunity to shine a little light and to plant some seeds where I could. And would you pray with me that God would water those seeds and that he would continue just to bless this little gal from Korea, and all the other staff that were there. Uh, let's just pray that the Lord uses us and that he uses us to bring a harvest of souls for his kingdom. Can we all stand this morning? Chad, I'll ask if you would come back. And as the worship team just begins to play quietly, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I thank you for the prayers. I, I did let our our board members know, and I know our team has been praying, and we appreciate the prayers and the support. And uh, I'll be back right as rain here soon. But I felt good enough to come this morning. I want to share this with you, and I hope it's been an encouragement. I want to encourage you that even though you might be going through something very difficult, God still wants to use you 
in the midst of your storm. He used Paul to encourage these sailors and these crewmen and these fellow prisoners to encourage them that God is with us. He's going to help us, but you have to trust in him. Don't jump ship. Hold fast to your faith. Hold firm to your faith because there is a reward coming. There are good things coming. What does Galatians tell us? Don't grow weary in doing well. In due time, you will reap a harvest, a blessing, if you don't give up. So don't give up. Keep fighting the fight. Keep living your faith. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep serving Jesus. Allowing him to lead you and use you in wonderful ways. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, right now we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, you never let us down. Your promises are yes and amen. Promises to protect, promises to provide, promises to help us, to heal us, to guide and direct us, to supply our every need. We trust in your word, Lord. We trust in your promises. Forgive us, dear Jesus, for our mistakes. Forgive us, dear Lord, for all of our sin and our shortcomings and, and Lord, our lack of faith. Lord, we get caught up in stupid things and things that don't even really matter to your kingdom. Jesus, it's all about you. So we humble ourselves. And Lord, I pray right now that if there are, if there are needs, if there are situations... Lord, if there are circumstances, maybe things that people are holding on to, it might be a little bit of bitterness. It might be some unresolved sin. It might just be not releasing everything. It doesn't always have to be a need, Lord. Sometimes it can be a personal situation that we need to release. We need to let go. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would just work on our hearts and have your way, O oh God. Lord, we desire your spirit to move. We know you have good days. You have blessings. You have revival. Hallelujah, Jesus. You promise to supply every need. But not only that, you promise to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. And God, we pray right now that you would just work in us and through us. And Lord, if there's anything we need to let go today, help us to let go. Cleanse us through your grace and forgiveness, we pray. We surrender all to you, Jesus. We love you. We trust in you. We put you first on the throne of our heart. More important, Lord, than our homes and our cars and our jobs. Even more important than our families that we love and we would die for. Jesus, you are to be Lord of all. Seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness. Then everything that we have need of, you will add unto us. Then you can move. Then you can have your way then you can pour out your blessings and use us in tremendous ways. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pardon me for being a little emotional this morning. Obviously, it's been an emotional week. But we know that God is doing good things. So we're going to do things just a little bit differently this morning. We are going to close this service with what we call a soft dismissal. And if you need to slip out, we're so glad you chose to be with us. Thank you for being with us. We hope that you were encouraged in your heart. But if you would like to stay a little bit longer, we're just going to open up these altars. 
It's not going to be a prayer team out here this morning. It's going to be you and the Lord. Maybe there's nothing wrong whatsoever. If you come, nobody's going to say, oh, what are they dealing with? Because maybe you just want to come for more of God. Maybe you're just hungry. And Jesus tells us to be hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. But maybe there's something that you do need to deal with. We're just going to open up these altars. I encourage you to come as Chad and the team plays. And they're just going to play as long as they need to. And you can come and just take a knee and say, Lord, here I am. I surrender all to you. If you do need specific prayer, I'm available and our prayer team workers are available. But we're not going to line up. We're just going to be out in the wings available if you need us. But I encourage you to come. Can we just make this a house of prayer? Is that okay? I'm going to believe that Jesus called it a house of prayer. Amen? And if we pray and seek his face, he promises to heal our land. He promises to move by his spirit. We want revival in this place. If you're hungry and you're thirsty for more of Jesus, I encourage you to come, or you can sit or kneel right where you are. But let's pray and let's worship as we do. Lead us, Chad. Thank you so much. Amen. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you.